This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. All right, welcome into episode 57 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, along with Joshua Perry. Um, Inside jokes, not even going to go there because um, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes. (laughs) Um, I sound like I'm a spoker. I'm not. I promise you, I just have a cold. Um, I'm sick. And Joshua is extremely tired because he was in Indy this weekend for the Big Ten Championship. And uh, you traveled all weekend, my friend. Yeah, it uh, it was a doozy. Just put it like that. Just put it like that. Um, So we finally have our final four teams all set in place. Uh, Number one, LSU. So LSU jumps Ohio State. Ohio State goes to the two spot. Clemson at three. And Oklahoma comes in at four with, of course, everything happening in that Big Ten or the Pac-12 championship where Utah fell to Oregon. That gave Oklahoma a chance to get in if they beat Baylor, and that is what they did. So with saying that, Joshua, you look at these four teams. What's your thoughts on it? Did everything pan out how you assumed? You know what? I I don't trust the committee very much, so it did pan out how I assumed. I just think they didn't (laughs) get it right. Shameless plug here. If the committee's looking for a younger voice to be uh, represented who actually played in the college football playoff and won a national championship as a four seed, go ahead and holler at your boy because I'd love to put a little bit of uh, intelligence and insight in that room. Anyway. Yeah, I'll put that out then. I'll tease that on our episode. I'll tag them in it. Let's let's campaign (laughs) for it. Um, Right. But I thought Ohio State was going to hold steady at number one. And um, you look at their resume and all the things that they've done this year. They've been dominant. Um, They've won all of their games by double-digit margins. They've beaten three top 10 teams in a row, or or I guess three top 15, depending on if you look at the AP or the CFP uh, rankings, which it's hard to do that. It's hard to win games in college football, period. But playing three games at the end of the year against top talent like that, physical games nonetheless, is tough. I can't say enough good things about what they've done, but LSU has a very similar resume. Their top wins are probably against uh, slightly better top teams and uh, definitely a better one ranking-wise, at least in Georgia, although I don't value Georgia as much as the committee did. I don't think their offense is worth a damn. (laughs) But anyway, uh, you look at how Ohio State did their top 25 wins, their top 10 wins. They have one more, respectively, um, than LSU, but LSU had the recency effect with that win they had over Texas A&M where their defense finally looked really good. And then again, their defense looked 
good against Georgia. Again, anemic offense there. But, you know, people factor that in Ohio State. You can't get down in the Big Ten Championship to Wisconsin like that and then have to will yourself back into the game, which was amazing. 27 unanswered in that affair was huge and still won by double digits, uh, mind you. But, yeah, after that, really three and four, we kind of knew who three was going to be. And four was basically set in stone. The misfit. (laughs) Midway. The misfit child. (laughs) It, It was... It was, it was the afterthought number four. And you know, the committee was crazy too. They were like, yeah, we had to consider Georgia still for the four yeah. slot. And I'm like, you guys are anyway. Yeah. Uh, Wait, come on now. <laughs> I didn't know. But the the one spot this year was especially important. And uh, last year, you know, whoever got one and two had the clear advantage because you didn't feel like three and four uh, were going to put up too much of a fight. And Notre Dame looked terrible. And uh, Oklahoma did toward the end of the game, but uh, really it wasn't anything too crazy there. Um, This year, whoever got number one was going to have the clear advantage over number two because number four is clearly worse than number three. And here we are where I think Ohio State and Clemson might be the national title game. You've got big on big there. We'll preview that game. But yeah, I mean, it's it's huge the way that they seeded this year. Now, when I I was going to mention this because you mentioned Ohio State and really, you know, having a tough first half against Wisconsin. But what I saw in that game if I'm a committee member and I'm watching this game, I'm like, damn, well, Ohio State can actually win in any way. And they can be down in the first half, make the correct adjustments, come back and dominate the second half. Like this team can win when their backs up are up against the wall, when they're down. Like to me, like that almost means more in situations, in game situations than a team that's just sailing through a game. And so that's kind of when I was looking at Ohio State, like dropping, I actually thought about that because my mind works a little bit different, I think, than other people in terms of just dominating. I mean, that's easy to say, oh, they dominated a full game. Great. Yeah. And and uh, to, to piggyback off of that, I, I agree with you 100%. And uh, you saw Ohio State against Penn State where back was against the wall, turned the ball over a few times, and they were still able to pull that game out and really uh, win by double digits. And then you look at Michigan where Michigan scored first, and it was uh, you know kind of close at halftime, and then Ohio State just blew the doors off of that game. And then finally this one where uh, Wisconsin rushed for like 193 yards in the first half. They only rushed for six yards in the second half. I mean, think about that. Completely took Wisconsin out of their game plan, made them play left-handed, and did not have success doing it. Ohio State has made great adjustments in the second halves of games, but they've also been the more dominant team. They can come out in the second half, and they can play fresh, and they don't look tired, and they can really impose their will. Um, And I think there's something to be said about that. No, absolutely. And and so regardless of if they're one or two, they're going to have to play Clemson, obviously, now. When you look at this matchup, because we've seen this matchup in the past, Joshua, you played in in that Ohio State-Clemson game where they fell to Clemson. I know that was like a heartbreaking one. So what do they have to do to get past a Clemson team that has really been under the radar in terms of you know what they are as a whole because they're not playing in a great conference? They haven't played a lot of tough opponents, but that isn't to say that this team isn't solid. No, I mean, they're they're an absolutely solid team. Clemson, to me, has been the most dominant team in the back half of the year. And you can look at their conference championship game they played. I don't care what their opponent was ranked, 62 points. 
uh, in a college football game is really hard to do. And you can look at some of the statistics. Um, and I, I like to put this one out here to kind of put in perspective the talent that they've played. Ohio State played five games against four teams that had 10 wins. FAU, Cincinnati, say what you want about those, but Penn State and Wisconsin in conference, and they played those two three times in the back four games of the year. And I guess not the back four, but in the back half of the year, they played those guys. When you look at Clemson, they played one team that had nine wins. Everybody else had eight or less on their schedule. So it makes a difference there. But truly, this matchup to me is big on big. I'll say it, and I believe it. This is the national championship game. I think whoever wins this game wins the title. You've got Clemson, who is the number one scoring defense, I think number four scoring offense. And you've got Ohio State is the number one scoring offense and the number two, I believe, scoring defense. So, like, you've got statistically two of the best teams in in LSU. You know, I think they might be number two or number three in scoring offense, uh, like number 27 in scoring defense. In Oklahoma, again, they're up there in scoring offense. I could not tell you what their scoring defense is like. So, I mean, (laughs) you're, you're looking at big on big in the two versus three semifinal, it's going to be a huge game. So when you look at LSU and and Oklahoma, which is they're barely getting any love. And I mean, kind of understandable because I think that four spot was really just like, okay, whoever did what they needed to do gets that four spot. But, you know, LSU, we're talking about a team that has a prolific offense, uh, one of the best that we've seen in years, uh, led by Joe Burrow. But on the opposite side, you have uh, another offense that's been pretty good with former Alabama quarterback Jalen Hurts, now there at Oklahoma, who's who's quieted off a little bit since the start of the year, but he still is he's still a big time quarterback when it comes to um, leading his team. They're just to me when I look at this, I just see offense, 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 and I don't see as much defense. Um, I mean, how, how do you think this one's going to play out? You hit the nail on the head. I mean, if you're, I don't, I don't know what the current over under is, but if it's not at least <laughs> eighty, I would be right? really surprised. And you, you got two Heisman finalists, quarterbacks. Obviously, one guy's the the runaway victor. The other guy, you know, he's been very impressive as well. You have C.D. Lamb, who is a very, very good player. And then LSU's got their weapons on the outside, a great tight end, the running back who's come on in the back half of the year. And defenses who have struggled. And Alex Grinch, uh, you know, you thought maybe midway through the year that they had things figured out and then teams started scoring points on them again. And LSU, you never thought they had it figured out in these last couple of games. You think maybe they did, but look at the offenses that they played. Georgia's offense, again, I I think is just so awful. I mean, Jake Fromm. You throw for like 72 yards on on 30 pass attempts or whatever in uh, one of those games that he played. Like, that is terrible. And then Texas A&M's offense is like 70th in America in scoring offense yeah. or something like that. So all perspective. But anyway, yeah, and I, I'm curious to see how the defenses will factor into this game because Jalen Hurts has shown that he will turn the ball over. So LSU yeah. has to be turnover-minded. Yep. LSU's defense – uh, in the back end, they've been good on third downs. They factored in, so maybe that's a deal there. But Alex Grinch also chip on his shoulder, so we'll see what he'll do against a guy who's a Heisman, probably trophy winner quarterback. Yeah, speaking of the Heisman, uh, the finalists came out. So um, no surprise, Joe Burrow, like you had just mentioned. And then we have Justin Fields, of course, Ohio State, Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma, and Chase Young from Ohio State. So two Ohio State guys in there. Only one defensive player and three quarterbacks. So I'm going to start with this because I think everyone, I've been watching lots of national sports talk radio uh, shows, et cetera, this week. And it's pretty much like, you know, Joe Burrow, 
Like they're already like talking like he won it, right? Which is, we all know that's what's going to happen. But it's just kind of crazy to like, to know like it's that set in stone that to me, it's like, why even have, why even have a, a Heisman like, you know, ceremony when we know Joe Burrow's going to win it and none of these guys have a chance. Like, wouldn't you feel weird going to the Heisman like ceremony and just knowing like, you're not going to win it. You're just there. Did you see the Heisman odds? No. They were something ridiculous. Let me look them up real quick because um, it it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. We know who's going to win the Heisman. Uh, We've been talking about it since midway through the year. I know a lot of the voters turned their votes in even before the conference championship games. And that wasn't an error this year. Like some years you're like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. This year it's like, it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. Right. And I'll tell you a cool stat about this Heisman. So uh, I think there have been seven times where one school had multiple representatives at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Yeah. This is the first time in the history that one school has had a player on either side of the ball represented. Really? Yeah. So really cool for Ohio State. So Heisman odds. Joe Burrow minus 50,000, the field what? plus 3,000. So it's like Joe Burrow and then everybody That's else. Insane. It's ridiculous. That so. is insane. And uh, here, yeah. here, here's the thing, Joshua, like for, and we've had conversations about Joe Burrow. I, I, I am beyond impressed with what he has done this season. I mean, in all aspects, I, I just, I mean, this guy has done it all and he's been consistent and you know, he's put up huge numbers and, you know, this was an LSU team that has really kind of turned the page in terms of, you know, what they're doing on offense and everything. Cause this hasn't been a school that's been able to get it together in the past few years. So I give all the credit in the world to Joe Burrow. I, I think he, you know, is very deserving of the Heisman. I just wonder though, like, you know, you, you put all these other guys in there and it, it's like, why even say then a defensive player is uh, in the running for a Heisman. Why don't you just say the Heisman is for offense? Like, that's my problem, Joshua, because at what point are we going to change the outlook as as a voter, okay? As a voter, at what point are we going to be like, okay, you know, we're going to vote this defensive player because he's the best in the game. But you just – because they all are going to put offense before defense. Everyone naturally does that. It's it's kind of crazy, and I, I like I think Chase Young should be the number two uh, vote getter in this because I already know I Joe too. Burrow won it. But like Chase won the Bronco Nagurski Award, so that's for the best defensive player in America. Like we know that's who he is. Personally, I think he has been the best and most impactful player in the country. And people have talked about how his stats weren't great against Michigan didn't have a stat and the same thing against Wisconsin. But when you like, you can get still frames of chase young and I'll send them to you so you can post them on the tweet. Uh, when we yeah, send this out do. where he's got two and three guys blocking him or he's being held, yes. um, yeah. he got held on the play where there was a coverage bust in the back end and Donovan people's Jones scored during the Michigan game. He, they were tackling him. He is that impactful on the game. Wisconsin had to block him with three players on one play. Everybody else across the D-line had one-on-one blocks. And if Chase Young can make it so everybody else is singled up, somebody's got to make a play because clearly they feel like he garners that much attention. There is no player in college football who gets that much attention on every singular play. No other player. Like you, And you can look at the film and see that. That's why I think he should win. But obviously, we, the game's skewed toward offense. I say that as a defensive player. I think it's true. And then when you look at the stats that Joe Burrow's had, like 
78, 79% completion rate, like go ahead and give it to him. That's, that is FBS statistic. Like that is history. Number one in college football period over forever. And he's done it with gaudy stats. He's taking care of the ball for the most part. And he's on the best team right now. Like go ahead and give it to him. Yeah, no. And that's why I can't really argue with this, but I, in the past, like if you look at all the Heisman finalists, like in the recent 10 years, there are, I mean, why not just say it's the quarterback Heisman like race? And that's what because it should Washington, be. That's, then let's just do that because I'm sick of freaking, you know, yep. get, why is anybody else even in the running if it's not, if it's going to be a quarterback that wins it? And then so, let me add to that. Most of the quarterbacks that win the Heisman do not go on to do much in the NFL. And I, I know agree. we've had this discussion as, as well, but I'm sorry. I look at everything as a whole because I cover both college and NFL. Right. And so it just bugs me that this continues to be the trend and nobody else gets a shot. Well, then let's change it to the quarterback Heisman finalists. You know, I, I, I tend to agree with that. And even looking at this year, like not to pick on Jalen hurts here, but, or even Justin Fields here, but like, okay, Justin Fields or JK Dobbins to me, Justin uh, yeah. Fields doesn't have the success without JK. Yep. JK was able to salt the game away last week when Ohio State's offense was sputtering last week. JK Dobbins was the only thing that was really working. When you look at JK or when you look at Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, and Chuba Hubbard, that guy has had an amazing year. And maybe people haven't seen as many of his games. He's not on a name brand team. Probably deserved to be in the conversation more. Etienne from Clemson. Oh my gosh, nine yards a carry. Why wasn't yeah. he in the conversation at all? Like it, it is a quarterback award, and then Chase Young just happens to actually be the best player in America. So you had to invite him this year. But it's definitely a quarterback award because those three running backs right there are guys who yeah. absolutely should have been in the conversation. Probably yeah. one of them should have made their way to New York. Yep. Nope. And I agree with you on that. So that's definitely something, I don't know, in the future. I'm just curious as to how that all goes. Um, okay. It is Christmas time and you probably are looking for some gifts. I got most of my Christmas shopping done, but if you didn't know this, uh, humans have been shaving for thousands of years. So the secret to a great shave hasn't changed much. And it's a great gift. The ancient Greeks, they didn't need flex balls or heated handles. Neither do you. That is why Harry's is the thing for you. It doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on actually delivering what matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's is a return to the essential quality, durable blades, just two per blade, $2 that is. They have cut out the middleman manufacturing blades in their German blade factory. That has been really uh, where they're honing the precision of those blades for century. So that means that you get incredibly high quality blades at a factory uh, direct price. Now, Harry's super convenient, you guys. Blade refills are delivered directly to the door on schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a free refund. Listeners, you can actually redeem your Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. This is what you'll get, a uh, weighted handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor we were talking about with lubricating uh, strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. So we talked about coaching vacancies last week. Joshua, it didn't take long for a lot of these um, vacancies to get filled. So I'll start with um, the lane train is back in the SEC. 
Lane Kiffin. Um, <laughs> oh God, it is every time I say his name, I just laugh. Uh, I know he is headed to Old Miss. Um, I think there was some questions that he might go to Arkansas, but he lands at Old Miss. Look, Joshua, I've been following Lane Kiffin since he got the Oakland Raiders job as a head coach because I was covering Auburn at the time down in the in um, Alabama, and I saw him at the Senior Bowl. And it was just when it was right when he had got the Raiders job. So he was there as a head coach at the senior bowl down in Mobile, scouting out players. And he was so young. I can't even remember how young he was at the time, you know, full of himself. You know how Lane is. Um, Yes. And now we look at what he's I mean, this is like his fifth coaching head coaching job. He has been through some interesting things in his career and a lot of it not great. But I will (laughs) I will say this. He has finally, I think, kind of matured as as a head coach I think he's going to still be lame and be quirky and he's on Twitter and all that stuff doing crazy things but I think as a head coach he's matured he takes this job very seriously and honestly to to see like the land he landed in in Oxford it was like he was kissing babies you know people were going crazy and I really do think like he's super excited about this job yeah I bet he is um Lane Kiffin to me First off, his Twitter feed is undefeated. Um, oh, it's I think, crazy! Yeah, I think he's awesome. He and and uh, again, like he's probably a little bit of a snake, the whole deal, whatever. But just like his persona and who he is, and he's just kind of stayed true to being Lane Kiffin. Um, yeah. Gotta appreciate it. Now, yeah. the the question here is, how much cheating is Lane Kiffin gonna do at Ole Miss? Ooh. Because I well, feel like there's not a chance that he plays the game straight up. Like he's going to be probably sitting right now with all their boosters, like talking about where they're going to put the bag for these recruits. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Lane Kiffin is Lane Kiffin. And, and I feel like I wouldn't put anything past him. And like you said, when you're in the SEC um, and you're competing with all these other big time SEC schools, it's going to be hard to, you know, recruit cleanly. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. But I do think his name carries a lot of weight because I think younger kids like his style and like kind of how he's a little loud. So he might be able to use a little bit of his persona to help get kids there, but we'll see what happens. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to ask you about, I don't even know if you know much about him. Sam Pittman was uh, hired at Arkansas. Did you see that? Yeah. So I watched his press conference, Joshua, last last night on the Paul Feinbaum show. I'm not joking. My husband was sitting with me and we looked at each other and we said, what the hell did they do hiring Sam Pittman at Arkansas? Joshua, it was like the weirdest press conference I've ever watched. Like it was like there was no there was no kind of like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Excitement. It was very just like like dry. And I even think like the reporters were trying to create something with their questions and it just like wasn't, wasn't happening. And yet I hear that like people love, like recruits love him. What? Yeah. This is what I've heard. Okay. So what's, I mean, you, you saw this and probably scratched your head. Like Arkansas has messed up for years now and then they hire him. I guess, I guess the question (laughs) is when people say like recruits love him, Folks try to say that to me about Jim Harbaugh, and I'm like, okay, yeah. is it the fact that they love him or they love the idea of going to Michigan where you can mm-hmm. be a competitor at a high level? Like, do they mm-hmm. love Pittman or do they love Georgia 
And they know that O-linemen at Georgia are very, very good and they're developed well because, you know, when he's got to recruit his five-star quarterback, at least try to, or he's got to get, you know, four or five-star linebacker to commit, like he's got to come with a little bit more juice than what you're describing. Now, the other thing is, I think it's hard to walk into somebody's living room as a head coach and you have no name recognition because a lot of these former assistants that get hired at schools or at least names that were swirling around. There were coordinators, people talking about them. I've never heard of this cat before. And I'm a guy who consumes football. So I'm very interested to see what this looks like. And Arkansas is a place where it's been tough to win anyway. It has. And that's why I'm like, if anything, and I did this in um, my SEC show that uh, just wrapped up at my station, but one of my final thoughts was on the coaches and, and was on Arkansas specifically. And I said, look guys, Let's just like, I feel bad for the fan base because they've got a brand new facility, brand new, you know, renovations to the stadium that they're very passionate down there. They really are. And I said, but take your time and get the right head coach. Okay. Get the right head coach for these fans. And then they go and hire Sam Pittman. And look, he was a, a line coach at Arkansas too. So he's got ties there. But Joshua, we all know the the history of, of offensive line coaches. They usually don't get head coaching jobs, and it's yeah. maybe probably for a reason. Correct? I yeah, agree I think with that. so. So here's so, here's a legit question I have for you though: is if you're a coach, maybe you know a, a coordinator who's on the rise, maybe a you know group of five head coach in Arkansas is calling you. Like, how? I mean, how interested are you really in taking that job? Yeah, and that's true, and and I get that it is Arkansas, and it's kind of the bottom feeder of the SEC. It's like like when Chris Ash took the Rutgers job. I'm like, bro, you're going from being a coordinator at Ohio State where you won a national championship in your first year coordinating the defense to Rutgers. Right. Okay. Well, but but that App State coach, he went to Missouri. And I don't I don't really think Missouri I mean, and I'm and I'm not against hiring, you know, from like obviously App State had had a phenomenal year. Yeah, it's a better job uh, in Missouri. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then finally, Mike, uh, Mike Norvell went to Florida State. Of course, Norvell was at Memphis. Kudos to him. Did a spectacular job. Yeah. 12 and one uh, led him to their first AAC title in its third uh, straight conference championship game. So that's I think Florida State got the right hire. I think that's um, it's a good hire. They didn't overthink it, maybe like they did last time. Yeah. Uh, so maybe maybe they can uh, actually get another school beside Clemson that's that's competitive in the next couple of years in the ACC. <laughs> well, did you talk about one in the the press conference? Did you hear his? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was nothing but energy and excitement. Like right? that. That's the guy you want. I don't care, but you have to have something in a press conference that wins at least one part of it because. That's huge in just a first impression. And Paul Feinbaum was like, and I give Paul Feinbaum the, the benefit of the doubt in this one because he was like, okay, I'm not going to jump to conclusions on Sam Pittman and what I just heard because he heard what I heard. And that was just like crickets, you yeah. know, dead air. But at the same time, he said, I'm going to get him on the show tomorrow and try to, to, to see if we can, you know, kind of get more of a feel for what we're looking at here. And so I give him credit for doing that because I know I'm just like bombing the guy, but I'm a person who really, I guess impressions, you know, mean something to me and he yeah. made zero impression. Well, 
It's that's what your parents teach you from the time you're like able to right? actually introduce yourself to people. Like first impressions matter. Always put your best foot forward. Like yeah. you know, people are gonna remember the first time they ever met you. So what do you want it to be? Like all of those things are true. Yeah. Well, the most memorable thing about his press conference, Joshua, was the fact that he said, "Well, you know, last time I was here, you guys let me take my shoes off and get comfortable and all this." Oh, and I'm like. Hell. I was like, are you? Uh, so one of the reporters was like, you know, if you want to take your shoes off, I'm going, is this reality? Are we really uh, like watching this unfold? It was awful. I'm cringing. I know, right? All right. That does it for episode 57 of Press Pass. Thank you so much for hanging in with us, especially with my uh, congested head cold that I have here. I probably sounded a little bit different, but hopefully that clears up before I head out west to visit my family. So you guys can always interact with us on social media. Uh, Joshua Perry is at RIP underscore JEP on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on both platforms as well. We always enjoy your guys' feedback. And then go give us a a rate and review. You go to iTunes, subscribe first of all, then you can just give us a five star. Give us a review if you'd like. We always appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you guys back here next week.